Today we continue in our series that we have been uh, preaching on all summer, uh, Forgive. And our preaching is taken from the book of Timothy Keller that is called Forgive. Um, I got it right here. And um, if, if you've read it, you know how good it is. If not, you can always get it any time and, and try it because it's, uh, it's a very, very good read. And, and a lot of what we're sharing during this summertime is from that. Today, our, series, uh, our, our message is Our Need for Forgiveness. So again now, we are going to turn to the scripture that DJ just read, and you're going to hear it all over again from me. But that's okay. We need to hear things twice. And so we began with the scripture. Um, and, And this, of course, is known as the fall. When sin enters into God's perfect creation. So let's see how sin happened to them and how it happens to us. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman... Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The evil one in this world pretended to be Eve's friend, pretends to be our friend, becomes very familiar with us just like the serpent did with Eve. And what the evil one does very first off is plant doubt in our minds when it comes to what God wants for us. Or what is best for us. That's what he did for Eve. Did God really say? God had limited Adam and Eve only one tree. Otherwise everything was theirs. Everything to enjoy. And evil says, did God say you can't eat from any tree? He suggests that that God totally limits our freedom. God doesn't want us to enjoy life to the fullest extent. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Eve repeats right back what God had told Adam about the tree in the middle of the garden. Don't eat it. You got everything else, not this one, or you're going to die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The evil one is the liar of liars. Call him the prince of liars. (laughs) You will not surely die. Don't worry about it. but, but, But here is what will happen. Your eyes will be opened and you are going to be like God. You're going to know everything God knows about good and evil. God said you will die, but the truth is that you will be your own God. You will become wise like God. God just doesn't want you to know what God knows. He's holding back on you, Eve. The temptation is mighty. At this point, there is still no sin involved. It's just temptation. Eve could have walked away. Later, we're going to learn that Adam was actually right there by her side. He could have pulled her away, but he didn't. We always have the same opportunity to walk away from temptation. But we always also think it's pretty great to have our own way, to be our own God, to be in control of our lives, and we start believing that God doesn't have our best interests at heart. 
So Eve starts checking out the tree. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was a delight to the eyes. <laughs> it looks great. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She did it. She took of the fruit and she ate. And she gave to her husband who was standing there right beside her and he ate. There had been no sin yet, but then she ate. And then Adam, who had been standing right there with her, ate. Took a bite too. Temptation has turned into sin. And sin came into the world. Prior to this, they had only known good. The good of God's amazing creation. The good of the intimate relationship that they had with God in the garden. But what the serpent told them, the one thing he told them that was truth, they now understood the difference between good and evil. And they had their very first experience of guilt. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You know, earlier in the creation story, we read the words that they were both naked and they were not ashamed. But now, now their eyes are open to their nakedness. They are exposed, literally and figuratively, to one another and to God. And they start making clothing of fig leaves to cover up their bodies, to cover up their sin. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Doesn't that sound just beautiful? And he's coming upon something awful. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Not only are they exposed, they are now guilty and going into hiding from the God whom they had had this most incredible, remarkable, close relationship with like no one else has ever had. But now they are no fear Fear of what will happen because of their sin. So they know guilt and fear and remorse. Fear of what will happen to their relationship with one another and their relationship with God. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And the man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman who you gave to me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent. The serpent deceived me and I ate. And we have the beginnings of the blame game. The beginnings of victimhood in our lives. Our inability to admit our sin and we're going to blame it on someone else. It was the woman you gave me, God. You thought I needed her. And he blames both Eve and God for his sin. Eve says, the serpent deceived me. It's the first time you ever hear the words, the devil made me do it. After this, God delivers his judgment on Adam and Eve. He banishes them from the garden. He says that they will work hard all their lives, especially Adam, and she will have pain in her life as she has children. But he doesn't leave them there in their pain. 
He doesn't leave them in their nakedness. He does his own work of covering their nakedness and their sin. It happens in verse 21 of Genesis 3. And it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. This is the first time in the Bible that God shows grace for human sinfulness. That he gives something to cover up the sin. It's the first time that a death happens so that sin can be covered up. The animals of those skins gave their lives to cover up Adam and Eve. We're going to talk about that cover-up in a little bit. What Adam and Eve quickly discover is that they are needing something to cover their sin. They knew they had a need of something to make things right with God. They felt guilt. They felt remorse. They didn't know what to do except to cover themselves to reduce their exposure what they didn't know was what they were longing for was God's forgiveness. What they needed was God's forgiveness. Now, from the beginning of this series, we have been talking about vertical and horizontal forgiveness. The first one we need is the vertical, the forgiveness between God and us. We need to know God's forgiveness in order to do the horizontal forgiveness of forgiving others. So it all starts this way. But over the last centuries, there have been those who have talked about the folly of worrying about guilt and sin and shame, who talk about the folly of religion, who talk about there is no God. Why worry about those things? Starts out, there are a few people I want to talk about today. One is Friedrich Nietzsche. In 1887, he wrote that as more and more people rejected the idea of God, as people began to reject religion, the moral reflexes that religion created would slowly disappear. Moral reflexes being, I feel guilt, I feel shame, I feel remorse. That that would just disappear because there was no religion, because there is no God, so there's nothing to worry about. He particularly said that the experience of guilt and shame would just melt away from our lives. Then there's a guy called Sigmund Freud. He taught that we are crushed under the guilt imposed on us through families and tribes and religions and other power structures in our culture. He said that we would come to see our guilty inner feelings are imposed on us by those who want to keep us under their thumb who want to keep us under their power and their influence. And both Nietzsche and, uh, and Freud were influenced by Karl Marx. In his views, he said moral claims are all ways that those in power are able to stay in power. That's how they keep the masses down, talking about their moral values. He said that religion was what? The opiate of the masses. It's clear that these claims really didn't hold. Especially Nietzsche's claim of disappearing guilt and shame. That has not happened. People still feel guilt and shame no matter what. Over the last couple of decades, because people haven't known how to get rid of the guilt and shame because they've told that they don't have to worry about it, there have been lots of books written to bring healing to those who are experienced guilt and shame. Our guilt and shame take on other terms in these last years, like low self-esteem, feeling of inadequacy, 
poor body image, self-loathing, self-harm, addiction, and so on. Why is it that we still deal with these feelings? Here's what happened. Our sexual, secular, and sexual, our secular, unchurched culture that has relativized moral truth, saying that sin really isn't sin, it's whatever you think is sin, or it really doesn't exist, okay? Our culture that has relativized moral truth, um, even though we've done that, there are still feelings like we're sinners without knowing what to call what we're going through. We don't have a place to relieve the guilt or the shame. We look for ways to cover ourselves. We look for ways to work out our own salvation to gratify what we need done. We begin to be our own gods. We live in this condition of nakedness, just like Adam and Eve. The eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. We already talked about that, about how they felt. They covered themselves with fig leaves. They didn't want God or anyone else to see the real them. We are no different. We don't want anyone else knowing all there is to know about us, including God. We try to give off the best front at all times. How are you? I'm fine. All is well. Everything is, is great. I like to call it the Facebook image, right? We go to Facebook and they're all perfect families and perfect rows on perfect vacations and perfect children who win perfect trophies. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to tell you in a minute, what am I known for on Facebook when I go on vacation? Toes. Everybody said it. When I go on vacation... People say, don't forget to send the picture of your toes. Do you know why I send the picture of my toes? I don't want you to see the rest of my body in a bathing suit. <laughs> and that's the honest truth. I prefer to see the perfection of these well-pedicured toes when I go on vacation. I'm hiding behind the toes. The toes are my fig leaves on Facebook, covering up what I think is a flawed body. But God made it so it's good. We don't want to lose control of what people think about us. But, yeah, all is perfect. But we have to talk about the inadequacy of fig leaves. Can I tell you what happens to them? what we learn about ourselves when we try to cover up with fig leaves. Fig leaves don't last. They're dead. They shrivel up. They crumble. They fall apart. We lose our cover, and we become exposed. I have to say, what are your fig leaves? Overwork, perfectionism, vanity, abusive behavior, relativism, need for approval, perpetual victim mode, gossip, promiscuity, goes on and on and on. Listen, I'm going to read to you these, uh, a couple paragraphs from uh, Timothy Keller's book. <clears throat> Why do so many people work themselves to death to be successful? Why do some people have no boundaries, are not able to say no to anyone? Why do others stay unattached, not allowing any real friendships or committed romantic relationships to develop? 
Why are some people rescuers who are always trying to save people in crises? Why do some live in a perpetual victim mode, spending all of their time blaming others for harming them? Why are some people just abusive, do unto others before they do unto you? Why do some work so hard to promote relativism? They say, no one can make me feel guilty. I define my own moral values. Why do others become highly religious and moralistic and then turn to condemn everyone who has the wrong beliefs? Why do some seek out non-committed sexual relationships on places like Grindr and Tinder online when some voice inside is telling them, this is not wise, this is not right? Why do people spread slander and gossip about others? Why do we want to believe that all people in leadership are really on the take, that all institutions are corrupt? These are all fig leaves, and they don't last. They don't hold up. They are covering up inadequacies of sin and guilt. And we, my friends, are looking for forgiveness. We need forgiveness. We need a God who covers our imperfections, our nakedness, with his grace and his righteousness that comes to us in Jesus Christ. We need to rely on Jesus and his work for eliminating our deep sense of guilt, shame, and sinfulness. But if we aren't willing to hear what God is teaching us in his word, the teaching about where our nakedness comes from, if we are unable to acknowledge our own fig leaves, then we are trapped in this place forever of trying to redeem ourselves, of trying to discover our own salvation, of clearing our own guilt. And friends, guilt is real. And sin is real. And we need a way to get rid of it. And fig leaves don't work. But as Christians, we have three resources that um, Timothy Keller talks about. I I wish I could go through the whole part of that book because he talks about the story of Joseph and his brothers um, who had sold him into slavery. And if you have the book, read this part because it's really good. But he talked about the ways that Joseph knew forgiveness from God and how he was able to forgive his brothers. And we have these same resources that he had. And the first one is humility. As Christians, we need to humble ourselves before God and admit our sin. And when we do this, We receive his forgiveness and we realize that in humility we can also humbly come before others and forgive them instead of wanting revenge, instead of wanting to have vengeance on someone else. We have the humility to forgive as God has forgiven us. He says we have joy. Joseph found joy in forgiving his brothers. When we understand God's love for us and and his forgiveness in our lives, it becomes a joy just to live, just to know the relief from the weight of shame and guilt and sin. It becomes a joy to know that we don't need to cover up anymore to hide. No more fig leaves needed. We're out in the open celebrating our forgiven life. In turn, 
we then find joy in forgiving others and are able to share that same joy with them. Finally and most importantly, we are recipients of the very costly love of Jesus Christ. And he shows it to us when he gives us his life for us on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and our guilt. Through the cross, we receive God's very, very totally free gift of grace. Nothing we got to do, just accept it. It's free to us, but it's very costly to Jesus. That's his costly love. He gave his life for us. Costly love for the Savior, grace that is free for us. Through the cross, once again, a life covered our sin so that we are now clothed in the loving, forgiven righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's like this. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin, and he clothed them. He covered their sin with grace. He does the same for you and me through his son. And I hope that you understand that you need that and accept it with humility and joy. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, today we give you thanks for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for your gift of forgiveness in him. Heavenly Father, let us never try to cover up before you, but let us come in humility and honesty, confessing our sins so that we can know total forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to find out more about faith in Jesus Christ or more about atonement, you can connect with us at atonementfargo.org or text us at 701-800-1009.